You're listening to Self-Publishing Journeys, the weekly podcast for all new and aspiring self-published authors. Stand by for tips, resources, hints, and practical techniques to help you on your own self-publishing journey. Meet indie authors at different stages of their writing careers and hear how they manage to get their own books published and making sales. For show notes, web links, and useful resources, please head to selfpublishingjourneys.com. Now, here's your show host, self-published author and digital marketer, Paul Teague. Hello and welcome to Self-Publishing Journeys, episode number 132 for Monday the 17th of December 2018. My guest today is John Heinmarsh, a writer of thrillers and sci-fi novels who first appeared on this podcast in July 2017. John is very well known in the 20 books and indie author community and received an astonishing response to a post that he wrote in 20 books revealing his amazing achievements then at the age of 78. He's been dealing with some very serious health issues since we last spoke, but John continues to self-publish his books and achieve bigger and better things. I was keen to catch up with him to check in on his writing, find out how 20 Books Vegas went and inquire about his health. When we got together for the podcast, I began by asking him about his recent trip to Vegas and how that had gone. 20 Books uh, is a very interesting group and uh, I quite enjoy their conferences, the promising next year to have over 800 people attend. Uh, there were 750 this time. And the the group discussions, the networking, meeting up with other writers who you've corresponded with, etc. As you know, I met you in the uh, uh, conference earlier this year in the UK. Um, you know, it's it's a tremendous group. I find it quite motivating. I was watching, uh, I've started to watch the videos and I was watching one where I think they mentioned that you were 79 years old. They were trying to find if there was an older writer in the room and I didn't, there was somebody at the back, but I couldn't quite hear them. And I thought, I think they were just joking. Were you, were you the oldest person in the room? Uh, Unfortunately, no. (laughs) (laughs) One person, 83 years old. Oh, Uh, wow. You're a youngster, John. I'm a youngster, yeah. I turn 80 in February, so, you know, I'm uh, a little bit grey around the edges, but to find someone 83 in writing was, uh, you know, quite something. But, you know, that is so inspirational. I, I think um, I think it was Craig who mentioned your age and, and asked permission to do so beforehand. But, you know, for, you know, I'm one of my, I'm 53, and you can get to a stage in life where you think, oh, is it too late for me? Have I left it too late? And then I look at somebody like you, I think, blimey, I've got a whole lifetime ahead of me, you know, before I'm, I'm 79. <laughs> uh, and what time did, what, what age did you start, John? Um, I was about 72, 73 when I started, because that's when I finished IT consulting. Um, I'm a workaholic, in case you hadn't worked that out. Uh, <laughs> but I, <laughs> I was consulting, um, uh, via IBM for uh, my my late 60s, early 70s in countries like Thailand and Turkey and uh, the Netherlands, Singapore, et cetera, et cetera. So, but, but then doesn't this say something about retirement? You know, when I, even when I was a kid, people used to retire at 65. And I, just, I can't imagine sort of putting my feet up in an armchair and well, there won't be any papers left by the time I retire, but, you know, re- reading a paper all day or watching the television, I, I just can't imagine it. I, I'm, I'm taking it, you know, you're the same. You just want to keep busy, don't you? Oh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, I can remember 30 years ago 
people retiring at 65, as you said, and a year later they'd be dead. You know, they'd switch off. They'd go sit on the front porch um, and vegetate, and they just lost any will to do anything. And I thought, pardon the language, bugger that. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, I just didn't even think of retiring at all in my 60s. I just kept going. And when we moved here to uh, California, I decided I would do something that I'd wanted to do for years and years and years, and that was to write. And I've just finished my uh, 12th book. Um, I'll format it in the next few days, and it'll be up on uh, the various resellers in December. And I think that's not bad for an old geezer. <laughs> no, I, th- I think it's bloody brilliant. And I, my, my sort of philosophy is, because I, I kind of worked in salaried jobs for a long time, and then I, I kind of started working for myself. And I and tell me whether you agree with this, because you're you're further ahead than me. But my feeling is is that it's about having freedom in life, not about being retired, but about having the freedom to choose what you want to do. That's what retirement is to me. I agree. As long as you choose to do something, it's the people who retire and who don't do anything. They're the ones that I feel sad for. Yeah, and and look at you. You know, you've created this whole amazing career for yourself. And, and you didn't get started till seventy two, which I think is inspirational. You say there was somebody eighty three there as well. Did you have a Did you have a chat? Did you exchange notes? Uh, we had a brief chat. He writes uh, historical fiction, and uh, you know, it seems to be doing quite well at it. So uh, I I took my hat off to him, literally, you know, uh, or metaphorically, I should say, um, <laughs> the, to to be in your eighties and writing. I think is marvelous. And I think you've, I, I said you've become a bit of a mascot for the 20 books group because, um, you know, at, at, um, at the, in the UK earlier on this year, um, you, you, you see, you seem to sort of get on very well with Craig and, and, and Michael, you know, you seem to fit in very well into that scene. You found your people by the sounds of it. Yeah, I, I think so. I, I really admire Craig, um, Martel, um, it's the first time I've ever been to a conference where the organizer refunds a part of what you paid because they made a profit. I mean, <laughs> that's astounding. Uh, and Michael Andelay, um has got a tremendous business brain, and uh, it's, it's good to see how he's approaching self-publishing and building a media empire. There's no doubt about it. That, that his objective next year is to release 400 books through his uh, call it Empire, his network of self-published writers. And uh, that's amazing. Yeah, I get several emails a day saying new book from Michael Andelay. It's just an incredible <laughs> model. I mean, he will he will own Amazon at some point. At that rate, he will just own Amazon. Yeah, yeah. Well, I think he's pretty close to that now. Yeah, yeah. when you get that number of books, you can't help but, con- or what I say control it, but you've just got your tentacles so widely into it, you're almost unbeatable it's a really interesting model i think and i wonder what amazon make of it sometimes too yeah that's interesting because amazon just doesn't give anything away um unless of course you're at the michael Anderley level and then probably they will give things away um but it amazon's a strange uh corporation you know it's it does a tremendous job for self-published writers and then at times it just you know, stubs its toe when it does something silly. Yeah. 
Have you been tempted to write for the 20 Books crew? Uh, because your genre is similar to Craig's, I think, isn't it? Yeah, I, I write in a mixture of thrillers and science fiction, and I'm probably going to dabble in urban fantasy just for the heck of it. Um, their schedule is very rigorous, and because um, we'll probably cover this aspect later, be, because of my leukemia and going through chemo sessions, I can't adhere to a rigid delivery schedule you know, where third parties are involved. Yeah, okay, understandable. Let's talk about that because you and I spoke, um, it must be about over a year ago, well, over a year ago, and I can still remember you, um, you know, sending out that email uh, telling us that you'd been diagnosed with this leukemia, and, and it was a pretty grim prospect for you, I think, at that point. And, you know, I'm delighted that you're still here, and I'm so delighted that you were at 20 Books in London and we got to meet in person. You know, it hasn't got you yet, and that's Blooming brilliant. So <laughs> I'm delighted. Well, I, I think it's brilliant as well. Uh, yeah, I, a couple of years ago, almost to the day, it was December, mid December, two years ago, I went along to the local doctor and uh, uh, they sent me off for a blood test. I had a stomach problem of some kind. And two days later, they got the blood test back and said, uh, You better go see an oncologist. Um, it's been an interesting ride since then. Uh, I've managed to see a top oncologist with uh, uh, UCSF, the University of California, San Francisco, uh, August last year, and he's been tremendous. Um, and I did a third bone marrow biopsy about April, and his comment then was, look, Imagine you've got a deck of cards. You know that there's a joker somewhere in that deck and you take a card off every day. As the deck decreases in size, you know that you're getting closer and closer to getting that joker. And if you don't start chemo, <laughs> the next card could be the joker. So that was, uh, that was April. And uh, at that point, I was diagnosed with, for the second time, from a diagnosis point of view, acute myeloid leukemia and MDS, which is myelodysplasia syndrome. Um, I had a bone marrow biopsy, what, two months ago. Uh, I'm sort of out of the acute myeloid leukemia area. I'm still in the uh, myelodysplasia syndrome area, but stable um, and uh They've stretched my chemo from a four-week cycle to an eight-week cycle, which means I get five weeks every eight weeks where I have a brain that thinks. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, I mean, it, when I sort of hear about people having treatments like this, I just think it must be uh, wearing and, and grueling uh, for you to go through that. Yeah, it, it it's – I mean, fortunately, I can encapsulate the – the leukemia thing and put it to one side and then just focus on writing and family and my wife and so forth. Um, but when, you, when you're getting a chemo every four weeks, it knocks you for that week. The second week, you're still recovering. The third week, you're just about okay. The fourth week, you can actually do some writing and then bingo, you're back to chemo again. Um, so it's a it's a pain. There's no doubt about it, but it seems to be uh, helping me 
in terms of remission. At uh, at my age, remission is all I can hope for. There's no cure. So I just put a positive attitude on, push the thing to one side, focus on writing and full speed ahead. You've ama- you've achieved some amazing things in terms of your writing since we last spoke. You know, that, that book count's gone up. I can't remember how many it was last time we spoke, but 12's, you know, impressive. Uh, you know, if you just look at the years, you forget the fact that you've been undergoing this treatment. If you just say, well, you've been writing from 72 till 79, you've got 12 books done. You know, that's way beyond what most people would achieve in their writing lifetime. So so how how are you managing to do this? You 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 they're flying out of you, John. Um yeah, I <laughs> I I have that question as well. <laughs> I mean I've just finished a four book thriller series. It's called Annihilation. Um and I released the first book October last year and the fourth book is now ready to release in December. I was trying to get the four done in twelve months, but I failed, <laughs> um, but it's still not a bad achievement. So, uh, um, you know, it's just a case of focus, I think, and not not getting in a depressed state, staying positive. Uh, I got a crazy sense of humor. That helps. Um, there's a sign on my door saying, do not disturb me. I'm disturbed enough already. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> but, that's about my mantra, I think. Um, so, yeah, it's just a case of um, applying myself, you know. And I get tremendous support from my wife as well. Who accompanies you on the 20 books? Did you come to the last one at Vegas as well? Yep, yep, yep. She, uh, I take her to the conferences. I've done that ever since I started writing for two reasons. A, I like her company. And B, uh, to introduce her to what I was trying to do so that she would have an understanding of what writing was about and, you know, editing and and uh, um, formatting. And not that she does any of it, but she knows and understands just, just what these things are. And, and that gives me tremendous support. Yeah, and it, it's a pretty sort of sociable gig, isn't it, going around to these conferences, particularly the 20 books ones. I mean, I know when I went to London... I, I said it on my podcast. I've never had such a strong feeling there of finding my people, people who, you know, authors who are prepared to do the work, I think is the big thing for me. Because I've been to so many traditional things where I think, you know, you guys, you're never going to get these books out because you just, you know, you're so arty-farty about it all. You just, not, <laughs> you're not getting the work done. And whereas at 20 books, everybody's on the same page, aren't they? That's what I love about it. Yeah. It's, it's how do I get the next book out? You know, and, People say, oh, I've published a book. What should I do? And everyone almost shouts in chorus, write the next book. <laughs> uh, you know, it's it's a tremendous group. Um, and uh, I've got a lot of time, as I said, for, for Craig and Michael. So um, I'll, I won't go to Edinburgh. That looks like too much hard work. Um, but I'll be at the Vegas one um, in November next year. Okay, uh, what's put you off the Edinburgh one? Is is it the fact that it's over? It's virtually seven days, I think, isn't it? Yeah, it's a longer conference, um, and I really didn't know where I'd be in December. Uh, sorry, in uh, what is it? February, I think. I've lost track of when they're having, the, yeah, having yeah, that yeah, one. The, the Edinburgh one is July. Uh, July, I think it is. In oh, they put it in mid. Yeah. Okay, put it in midsummer. Um, yeah, I've got no idea where I'll be at that point. Whereas 
the Vegas one's important. It's only uh, uh, an hour's flight away from me, so I can get there with a high degree of uh, probability. Um, but I thought Edinburgh was just stretching it a bit too much. Yeah, you did well to get to London, actually, but I suppose you could fly into Heathrow. I guess, you know, for international flights, it was fairly handy, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's only a 10, 11-hour flight. <laughs> I mean, one of, the, one of the problems is, just talking uh, health again, um, my immune system drops way out. It goes down about as far as you'd ever want your immune system to go down. And it's a risk flying in an aircraft for 10 or 12 hours. It's also a risk sitting in a conference surrounded by seven or 800 people. Um, but at the same time, you can't wrap yourself in plastic and live in your basement. You know, you've, you've, you've got to have some quality of life. And so I just bite the bullet and travel. Well, good for you. Twelve books in, I'm wondering, and, and you know, with working around your sort of health treatments as well, what does a, a kind of writing day look like for you these days? Because you're a pretty <laughs> established author now. Yeah, I suppose I can wave that flag, can't I? At Twelve Certainly, books. Yeah, um, I'm having a. I've had a bit of a breather for the last couple of weeks because I've been trying to work out what my next series will be. Um, and and what uh, genre? My problem is I've got too many ideas, uh, which is a strange thing to say. But uh, you know, I could probably sit down and outline about five different series at the moment without breaking new ground in terms of the ideas that I've got. Um, so that means I'm going to live for a long time. <laughs> well, good, good, good. That's great. Yep. You know, if that if that determines longevity, then go for it. Yep, yep, it does. Uh, well, in my mind, it does. Um, but typically, I'll work probably because the, the chemo does knock me around a bit. I'll, I've been getting about 2,000, 2,500 words a day out recently. If I try and go over that, um, I do end up a bit exhausted mentally. Um, but even two and a half thousand is a good pace to achieve, so I can't moan too much about that. I prefer four thousand, you know. Yeah, well, um, I think most people be, or a lot of people, will be very happy with um, two and a half thousand words. You know, that's a good. It's a good word count. Are you doing that pretty well every day when you can write? Yeah, I I manage that just about every day. Um, I've just joined in with a group of four other writers and we've set ourselves a challenge to write for three weeks up till the end of the year to complete a novella uh, and then to stop on the 7th of uh, January and have that the results available by the 21st of January as an e-book to send out to our newsletter subscribers and so there'll be five books going out to, you know, thousands of newsletter subscribers in the middle of January. Um, and in the meantime, we're going to video our efforts. We're going to video our conference calls. Um, and we'll share every week some writing with our newsletter subscribers. Now, in some ways, I'm horrified that I joined in with that. But in other ways, you know, I'm quite looking forward to it. Come on, John, at 79, you should know better than to get involved in things like this. <laughs> <laughs> it 
was a weak moment. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it's what I got myself into. Crikey, yep. I don't envy you with that. But it's a great project. I mean, you know, if you all if you all make it and get to those deadlines, that's a tremendously um, valuable project. And you mentioned their uh, mailing list, and you were talking in terms of the thousands there. So how's that going? How's your mailing list going these days? Um, it's it's doing quite well. I got it up to about 10,000, but then deleted a couple of thousand because of uh, non-response. And it's, a, it's down to about 7,500 at the moment. And that's a pretty good-sized mailing list, I think. Yeah, it's really good. And, and I'm pleased to hear that you were sort of ruthless because I, I think when you start building lists, you're very precious about deletion. But are you in MailerLite? Have you got that new function in MailerLite that tells you who's not opening the emails? Yeah. Yep, yep. And that's what you used, is it, to, to, to remove that's, people? That's, right, that's what I used. You know, hadn't clicked anything for more than six months. So at that point you say, well, why am I sending you a newsletter, you know? so Yeah, I think I think that's a hard habit to get at first. I, I've been uh, not email marketing, not as, a, as an author for, you know, many, many years now. And I just think um, I always go for re-engagement first, you know, have another try, see if I, we can get them, hook them in. But really, they're not interested. They're just tire kickers. And you might as well get rid of them, stop paying for them, in my opinion. Because pl- what you want is a lovely list of rabid readers who are ready to, you know, snatch out the next thing that you write. Yeah. Um, I mean, I was getting at the point where MailerLite was going to increase my uh, monthly fee because at 10000 they increase it. And so I thought, I've got to pay for people who just aren't doing anything with my newsletter. So I just got um, fairly um, cutthroat about it, uh, knocked it down to 7500 um, I'm in a promotion in December that will probably add another thousand back on so you know it'll increase it'll back get back up to ten thousand or more in the next few months yeah it's interesting i remember from my internet marketing days when you hit that ten thousand point you get to a stage when um it becomes more cost effective it might not be with MailerLite, but certainly with things like aweber and mailchimp it used to get to a point where it was so expensive at that point that you were looking like at things like infusionsoft you know and really kind of higher up um crm Pro, uh, pro, uh, systems um you know so it was get, gets quite expensive at that point doesn't it yes it does um i i was using an outfit and uh my cost started to increase even at the five six seven thousand level so i changed to mailer light they seem to do a reasonable job uh they return statistics to you and so forth um that help you um you know i I get between a 46% to a 55% open rate on my uh, newsletters, so I'm quite pleased with that. Yeah, that's like gold dust. With a list that size, that's that's beautiful. When we were in internet marketing, we used to look, uh, we used to start at 1% open rate. That's how disengaged people were, so used to email. So that's a phenomenal open rate with a list that size. It's really good. Congratulations on that. Yeah, thank you. I think I started off two years ago with 89 subscribers. <laughs> well, how, how are you building it then, John? What, what are you doing it to get it that size? Um, well, I got into some shared promotions a couple of years ago where um, the the rate of uh, subscriber increase was, was very powerful. And um, I focus mainly now on... Uh, a promotion twice a year, 
that a guy runs, uh, Phil Williams, he's a thriller writer. He runs um, promotions like that. And there's probably 10 thriller writers who participate. And some of these guys have got mailing lists of 20,000 to 40,000. So I'm really a junior um, in the in the list. But I came, in terms of the last promotion, I was third in the number of clicks from my subscribers to the promotion. So, you know, that's not, not a bad response. And uh, I'll get probably each promotion, I'll get a 1,000 subscribers. So, uh, you know, that'll build up a couple of thousand a year. That's a pretty good rate of increase. Yeah, that's lovely. You know, are you using it in Safribe or BookFunnel or anything like that still? Oh, BookFunnel is mandatory, yeah. Uh, the delivery process, the the the, uh, the joining process and the delivery process from BookFunnel is excellent. And are you, are you doing their promotions? Is that what you're doing to build your list? Yeah, it's um, uh, a promotion, uh, as a set of about 10 writers, we put up our reader magnet, um, typically a thriller, and um, so you've got a, a page set up by Phil. It's got ten books, and uh, most of them, I think, are delivered via book funnel. And uh, you know, potential new subscribers can look at your book, download it, um, and join your uh, mailing list at the same time, and hopefully stay and uh, read your future books as well. And your backlist. Yeah. Absolutely. I, I, I found BookFunnel um, to be superior to uh, prolific works, it's called now, isn't it? I was going to call it um, Instafree. But I think you get pretty good readers off uh, BookFunnel, is my, in my experience. Yeah. I um, just do not like uh, – sorry, what's it called again now? Well, they Insta-free. call it prolific works now, but it was prolific Instafree. Works. Yeah, yeah I, I logged on to uh, a writer's website because we were – exchanging newsletters and went to uh, subscribe and I ended up in the middle of uh, prolific works and thought, oh, for goodness sake, <laughs> let me out of here. <laughs> <laughs> we'll have to call it horrific works, won't we? Won't we? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'll probably get sued for these comments. <laughs> and rechristen it, yeah. Well, I don't know, I, I just feel, um, you see, I thought BookFunnel were losing it for a little while. I've been with both of them for a while and then they came up with, they did promotions and they did sales. I sell books through BookFunnel too. You know, I do it through PayHip and um, and actually sell books directly through PayPal, uh, Pay uh, BookFunnel. I've had no problems at all. I've had no um, sort of customer problems or issues, uh, and, and the money just comes through from PayHip. I I'm a big fan of BookFunnel, but uh, it's the freebie. I think they deliver their books through some kind of mobile. I even I I'm fairly techy, and you must be because you work for IBM, and I can't kind of quite work out how I get the books off. Uh, prolific works anymore so i'm sort of out now i'm out of there and i'm just going all in with book funnel i think yeah yeah well um prolific um send it to you as a download and so you've got it on your computer but then you've got to work out how to get it onto your uh reader and that okay i can do it but why stuff around doing it when you know book funnel does it for you (laughs) yeah i think in the sort of betamax vhs wars uh, for my money, book funnel just won. That's that's my view of that uh, particular situation. And yep. I want to. Uh, so with that email marketing, I mean, that's a great list. So congratulations on that, uh, and Thank obviously you. engaged list too, because it's not you know list list 
lists are not just about size, as you've shown in that promotion that you are, because you've got an engaged list, you can actually drive more clicks than people with bigger lists than you. So you can actually do more with less with a list if they are engaged. And that's why you're right to delete people, you know, to, to yep. make sure it's a quality list of engaged people, which is the, right. the holy grail, I think, for writers, really. Yeah, yeah, I agree. So, with e- that's emails. Um, what about what are you doing with marketing? What's working for you? Working <laughs> for you with marketing now? I don't laugh. You're supposed to be giving me wise words. <laughs> <laughs> oh dear. Um, I had set out to have December as my marketing month to to really, um, you know, build a better foundation for uh, book bab. Bookbub advertising, AMS advertising, etc., and then I volunteered to join this group. That's totally destroyed my uh, my December marketing uh, venture. Um, but I'm experimenting with, and I think all of us experiment with ads because none of us, or maybe someone like, um, oh, who would it be? Mark Dawson. Yeah, yeah, Mark Dawson, um, and and uh, Cooper the science fiction author, he knows marketing backwards. Yeah. Um, Michael Cooper. But, yeah, yeah. Uh, so there's people like that who really are professionals, but I think the rest of us, uh, or maybe Michael Anderley and Craig and so forth, but the rest of us are pretty much uh, experimenters and we try this and we try that. So, you know, I've been trying Amazon, BookBub ads, um the one that I was going to really try to develop was the Facebook advertising, uh, not for the lead up to Christmas, but just to study and start to do some advertising after Christmas. The costs, the cost per click have increased phenomenally over the holiday season. And I don't know that advertising in December is economic for writers. You know, if you, you the book you offer may return you two dollars eighty um but if you're spending ten dollars to get a two dollar eighty sale uh, you need a good uh buy through and I probably would break even with the series I've got uh spending ten dollars to get a purchase on the that buy through basis, but it's a heck of a risk so I'm backing off any substantial spend in December and uh, looking to see what I can do in the new year. And, of course, applying for BookBub featured deals every month. (laughs) Yeah, I was just about to talk to you about that because I'm pretty sure that first time we spoke, I was enviously listening to you about how you'd had some BookBub deals then, and I hadn't had one at that stage. So I was, like, you know, craving these BookBub deals. And I've had three since then, and uh, you know, so I'm kind of I'm on the conveyor belt now of BookBub, and I know uh, tre- they make a ch- big difference, don't they? A BookBub, they really do. Oh, they're <laughs> tremendous. I mean, uh, I think their mailing list for thrillers is something like three million three hundred people. Uh, that's a hell of a mailing list, subscriber list, you know. Um, I haven't been that fortunate this year. I've had one international uh, featured deal, and. Needless to say, my book got up to uh, number one in genres and in the top 100, you know, in Australia and the UK and Canada and so forth. Uh, but I haven't had a US uh, BookBub deal this year. 
Um, last year, yes, I had two and uh, an international deal. So, you know, it was a pretty good year last year from that point of view. But the, um, you just got to keep putting in a, a book for a deal and eventually they'll uh, say, yeah, okay, we'll get rid of this guy. We'll give him a deal. That'll shut him up for six months. So book bubs are, are working for you. Do you go for anything else, John, when you haven't got a book bub? Are you doing free boxes or have you found anything else that works while you're waiting for those book bubs? Um, the free books I avoid like the plague. I The first book bub I had um, last year I think I had 70,000 books downloaded via all resellers. And you think, oh, marvellous, 70,000 downloads. But what people do, I'm convinced, and a number of other writers are also convinced, they just put them on their Kindles or their, you know, iPods or whatever they're using to read books. And they sit there and they've got another 1,000 books on there and they may or may not get round to reading yours, you know. Um, so free books are off the list as far as I'm concerned. And I've noticed recently that people, uh, for example, on the BookBub advertising, people are advertising their books at normal price. They're not discounting them. So I'm, I will discount night to 99 cents occasionally, but I'm going to try to advertise, um, Full price books. That that's interesting. It gives you more margin, obviously, which is which you know, which from a business point of view makes more sense. Are you wide, John? That's the other thing I need to ask you. Yes, yes, I'm wide. Uh, never been really happy with uh, going just Kindle Unlimited. Um, I mean, I get um, I get small sales. For example, I'm on Kobo, and I've passed. Uh, $10,000 of sales on Kobo uh, ever since, you know, that's the 70, uh, that's the two-date figure since I first released a book. So you think, well, that's paid for all the editing, that's paid for all the covers, that's paid for the, the proofreading, uh, the formatting when I wasn't doing my own formatting. So, you know, that's a good coverage of costs just there in one reseller now i've recently gone wide so i i was i, I went when i started writing hang got a clue what i was doing i made just a handful of sales on those other platforms so i went into kdp select and did slightly better and then now um i you know i've actually done uh, apple has been the big surprise to me i i had a book bub and sold a load of books i made as much on apple as i did on amazon which wow. sort of astounded me yeah i know it's quite surprising though isn't it that was in thrillers yeah, that is astounding. I mean, Apple to me just plugs along, probably doesn't do much more than uh, Kobo. Well, Kobo has been, this is why I was going to ask about Kobo, because Kobo has been the disappointment to me. So I've shifted, um, and I haven't been on it that long, but I think I've shifted over 10,000 books now on Kobo, uh, it, probably since I'm trying to think when I had my first book, but when I went wide, it's not, not that long, maybe six months, something like that, probably that I've been on Kobo. But but I don't feel, my main income's not as high as yours at $10,000. I don't feel like, Kobo's working for me. I'm thinking when I've shifted a lot of those are free books, by the way, not paid books, obviously. Right. But I'm right. thinking the kind of the ratio between free to income doesn't feel quite right to me. Now I did a 
something I'm doing is I've got a seven, I've got so many books like you now, I've got a seven pack box set of thrillers and a seven pack of uh, sci-fi books now that I sell. And I put the seven pack into Kobo and made sort of more money on that single promo than I had from anything else. So box sets and sort of higher price items dropped lower in the sales seem to be where I've had some traction so far, but nothing else has worked for me so far. I don't know whether you've got any tips. (laughs) Well, my last um, BookBub submission is for a box set of four thrillers. Um, And I expect to hear back in the next couple of days whether they've accepted that or not. So, you know, I'm trying to experiment with the box set as well. I haven't tried that. It's interesting because when I've done, I'll ask you a couple of things about these book bubs. Because when I do a book bub, I've, I do first in series free. I won't um, submit to book bub unless it's a series. You know, there has to be some read through. And obviously yep. I make my money on the read through. So, and, I, and I've been very happy with what I've made from those. Um, but I wouldn't put, I wouldn't put a standalone in, certainly not a standalone for 99 cents. Because I don't think I'd make my money back on that or I'd only just make my money back. Well, how are you doing it? Um, I'll put in a 99 cents first in series and um, I've now got two four book series and a three book series and a standalone Uh, so I never promote the standalone I agree with you you know it just doesn't get you anywhere Um, but yes when you when you get a book bub for the first in series you make money out of it you also get you know in the top 100 um, uh, Amazon books, not the freebie side, the the paid side. And that's a pretty good place to be for, you know, if you can get to that. And uh, I'm hoping that I can do something uh, uh, with the box sets, see how that goes. So tell me what you're doing with the box set. Are you submitting that as a 99-cent deal? Or no, two ninety nine. I decided I'd try to get the, the 70% uh, margin out of it. Um, a person in a uh, group that I, uh, a writing group in San Francisco that I attend every so often, uh, he said he put his box set in for 99 cents and did very well out of it. Um, so, you know, 99 cents could be viable. Um, but I thought, you know, being the mercenary type I am, (laughs) that I'd, uh, (laughs) <laughs> that I'd do the $2.99. But the scary thing is the cost. That's $2,400 if you get it. $2,400? Yeah. Oh, my goodness. That's frightening. <laughs> Which one's that? I didn't know they did one at that price. Yep. That's because of the $2.99. It's a thriller. So it goes out to 3300 3, or whatever newsletter subscribers. Um, average sales would be 2,000 to 3,000, something like that. Uh, so, you know, it's an interesting scenario. Oh, my God. That's really – that's got to be really brave for that one. Um, <laughs> wow. <wait>. It's, <laughs> it's the most I've ever put forward to spend on a marketing program. <laughs> I don't know whether I could do that. I think I, I – I, each time I've had a – so first time I did a book, Bub, I was actually Amazon exclusive – and it was very interesting for me because I made as much being wide as I did. So I, I, I got, it was my Don't Tell Meg first in series. I got it Amazon 
exclusive first time and then it was wide the second time and I made as much the second time as I did the first time so it was virtually exactly the same money except that my two main earners were Amazon and Apple the second time yeah. around right and I'd always poo-pooed Nooks and Barnes and Noble and made good money out of Barnes and Noble you know I'm not not sniffing I think I made more out of Barnes and Noble than I did Kobo so I had some real you know, real surprises from it to be honest with you yeah I I think it's totally unpredictable. <laughs> you know, there's a there's a random walk here somewhere. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Now, um, so I, I yeah I I think I've been thinking sort of too straightjacketed about this because it does make sense to me. I've been thinking about putting my standalones in for ninety nine cents, and I, I don't know why on earth I haven't hasn't occurred to me to put my first in series in for ninety nine cents because of course that's going to make you money on the first transaction and then subsequent money on the read through. So I don't know why I haven't thought about that. And I also don't know why I haven't thought about doing a box set either, but can you get a box set in? If I put a box set in at 99 cents, would I be paying that phenomenal amount of money that you've just no, talked about? No, 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 no. <laughs> the cost goes down quite sharply. Um, there's a, there's a schedule on the BookBub site that'll give you the by genre, um, the number of email subscribers they've got, and the the different price levels, you know, free ninety nine cents, etc., and the cost of each of those, and the average sales. So I can't give you the URL, but it's there in the uh, um, in the BookBub uh, partner site. And does um, if I put a box set up of my thriller trilogy, does that count as a separate submission to the first in series? Uh, I don't know. No, I don't either. I'm just thinking about it. I just, because in theory, it's a completely different product, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. I'm just, I'm just wondering whether I can sneak one in. That's what I'm thinking. <laughs> <laughs> You're not the I only mercenary one, John. <laughs> <laughs> it's all experimental. <laughs> I think I'm going to give that a try. Yeah. You know, I've just been thinking of way too linear a manner. Um, yeah. I'm going to give that a try. I'll let people know how I get on. In the yeah. diaries, they'll probably ban me. You know, I've been banned from Facebook, do you? No. Yeah. What did you do there? Nothing. I swear I did nothing right. But I was, uh, I, they've just, they've banned me and they won't talk to me. So I can't advertise on Facebook, which is a huge frustration to me because I actually finally, at long last, had some ads that were giving me some return, which is presumably how they noticed me. But um, I, I've done something that they don't like, but they won't discuss it with me. So I'm out of Amazon now. I'm, I'm restricted to BookBub ads and um, Amazon ads. Wow. Yeah, I know. So, and, you know, I'm no bad boy. Um, I, I play by the rules, but um, they've got a beard, their bonnet about something and won't discuss it with me. So I'm a, I'm a little bit stuck. I, I tell you what is working well. Have you tried Amazon ads in the UK rather than US ads? I've been trying to enrol in the equivalent uh, AMS in the UK, and that's like banging your head against a brick wall. Um, there's, there's quite a thread at the moment. Uh, Brett Battles, for example, uh, has been trying to um, uh, get his enrolment sorted out, and he's been hitting a brick wall. And uh, I'm going to send you a document after we've spoken, John. If I forget, because I have a memory like a sieve, remind me. But um, I was given a brilliant document by John Evans, who is having some success in the UK on Amazon ads, and it's a it's a kind of step-by-step -step easy way to get signed up guide in the uk i'll send you that and see if that helps ah is that john j-o-n 
Evans, science fiction author? Uh, yes, it is. Yes, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah but he, yeah. he sent oh. me a document, and I'll send you it. I'll send it on to you, so you can have a look at oh, it and right. see, see if that gets you in. Because um, I'm finding that quite helpful for marketing at the moment. It's it's right. uh, doing sort of instantly better than the US one is for me. Wow, um, I've been wondering about how to crack the UK market because while I do reasonably well in the US, it's the UK should be up as well, and it's not up where I want it to be. So uh, that's why I've been trying to explore that. Um, well, well, it's interesting you say that because I, I was about, well, I was very high US. But when I go to my, what's it called, my book report these days, I noticed the other day that I'm I'm almost even Stevens on, on the US and the UK, which feels sort of phenomenal to me. But uh, yeah. because, let me just have a look at the stats. But it was certainly at the moment, come on, book report. You know, it does that little worry thing where it's not coming in. Come, come, come and tell me what my percentages are. Um, there you go. Look, so look at the moment this month, uh, 52.5% Amazon.com and 38% Amazon.co.uk, which is not typical for me at all. That's a good place to be, though. I mean, I mine would be, you know, five to one sort of thing. Mine has yeah. been for, for ages. Yeah, I only just noticed that the other day and thought, well, that's interesting. You know, we're doing better in the UK. I don't know whether it's to do with those ads or not, but um, it's the same as the US ads in that, um, you know, I've got a lovely ratio from what I'm spending to what I'm making. I'm very happy with that. You know, it's about five times, you know, what I spend to what I make. Um, right. I'm very happy with that. I just can't spend it fast enough. You know, when you get a ratio like that, that's a money <laughs> machine, isn't it? So yeah. in theory, I want yeah. to spend £5,000 and make 25000 back, but it, it won't let me. And that's the frustration yeah. for, with it's 2000 very- it's very difficult to spend money on Amazon advertising. Yeah. Whereas uh, you probably found this too, whereas BookBubble will burn it up for you very fast. Oh, yes, yes. Yeah. You've got to monitor BookBub, you know, half daily. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. You can lose your shirt off your back on BookBub if you're not careful. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, look, you're doing brilliant things, John. You, you've continued to write, you know, through difficult times with your health. You're up to your 12th book now. What, do, do you have a game plan with all of this? You know, do you have a point in the distance? Like I, I've just resolved my New Year's resolution is that by the time I'm fifty-five, I want to have twenty books. That's what I, you know, that's my plan. Do you have a plan like that? Yeah, um, it's going to be interesting to see how my writing goes. Now I'm on a different chemo cycle, uh, but I'd like to get to the twenty books fairly quickly as well. Um, it'll be at I'll be able to do at least four books a year. So the 20 books would be two years out, but I'd like to do it in, you know, 12 months. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> now, what, what I want to do is get at least four books out a year, and that's being serious. But what I'd like to do, and I can do this with the science fiction stuff. I'm not sure I could do it with thrillers. I've got a number of short stories in science fiction some are weird, they're 5,000 words, 8,000 words, that sort of thing. Now, if I can release a short story every two weeks, say, now that will go out to my newsletter list, it'll go out to my author followers on Amazon. And so if I can do that for six weeks, eight weeks, and then release um, a new book, in a series that matches the universe of the short stories and then repeat it in the next couple of months. Um, 
So every two or three months, I'll release a, uh, a, a new novel. But in between, I'll release short stories that will get me noticed by the users who are following me. Now, that should uh, be very close to the guys who do the rapid release of a book a month in terms of the user enthusiasm, the reader enthusiasm at least. So I'm going to see if I can do that with a four-book-a-year approach and, you know, two or three short stories, a collection of short stories, a book, two or three short stories, a collection, a book, and just repeat. That was John Hindmarsh, a writer of thrillers and sci-fi novels and quite proudly one of the oldest authors in the room at 20 Books Vegas. If you ever thought it was too late to get started, there's a lot of inspiration to be taken from John's amazing indie author story. Now, next Monday's interview will be with Gary Collins, a US author who writes non-fiction books. And I will be back with another edition of Paul's Podcast Diary on Saturday. Until then, have a great week of writing. Thank you for listening to this week's self-publishing journeys. If you enjoyed the show, please consider sharing it with your indie author friends. Or you can leave a review on iTunes, Stitcher, or whichever podcast directory you use. In the meantime, you'll find previous interviews and all the show notes at selfpublishingjourneys.com. Thanks again for listening. We'll have more great self-publishing tips for you next week.